just because I live halfway around the world doesn't mean I'm dead. (laughs) 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 I'm still here. Just live somewhere else. (laughs) I know there is this perception that when you go down under, you stay down under. Hello, print friends, and welcome. I'm your host, Miranda Metcalf. This is a bilingual podcast, so if you subscribe to us, you'll be getting episodes in English with me, as well as in Spanish with Ronaldo Hilsenbrano. Together, we speak to people from around the globe about their practice and passions in the field of print media and multiples. This episode of Hello, Print Friend is brought to you by Speedball Art Products. Speedball is thrilled to announce that they are extending their range of the beloved oil-based block printing ink. Partnering with Hello Print Friend host Ronaldo Hill Zambrano to give the line a fresh new look, they have launched 10 rich color options in convenient 8-ounce cans. The ink is formulated to be permanent, waterproof, and archival, but provides easy cleanup with vegetable oil. Available now for purchase through Speedball's website. My guest this week is Jenny Robinson. We talk about how the last few years have treated her, including spending the pandemic in Ljubljana, Slovenia, winning the prestigious Mario Avati Prize and having a grand exhibition in Paris, and the new project she's taken on, starting a print shop in Sydney, Australia, which currently boasts the largest French tool press in the Southern Hemisphere. And as you'll hear in the interview, you're gonna have a chance to name that press and win some merch from Jenny's new shop. Just go over to the Instagram and find out how. Without further ado, sit back, relax, and prepare to go big with Jenny Robinson. Hi, Jenny. How's it going? Oh, hi, Miranda. How are you? I'm good. It's been a long time since we caught up. I know. I'm so happy to see you again. I feel like you are maybe my firstest, best print friend out there in the world. You're so formative in terms of my print journey and my life journey. And the last time we spoke back in episode 14 of the podcast, you were in Slovenia. I was in Australia. There hadn't been a global pandemic yet in recent history. (laughs) I know. I can't believe how long ago that seems I mean not in years but just in the way the world has gone yeah yeah absolutely but I'm just really really excited to catch up on air with you and then share all the cool things you've been up to but before we get into it please let people know as of right now the who you are where you are what you do questions All right. Well, my name's Jenny Robinson. I lived in, well, I'm a printmaker, obviously, but I lived in America for 21 years. And now I'm living in Australia. And in between, my husband and I moved to Europe for two years. We were there for one year before the pandemic and made the most of it, traveled everywhere. It was amazing. And then we were there for one year with the pandemic, which was also amazing. We had a good, like they used to say, you had a good war. Well, we had a good pandemic really in terms of we had a three-month lockdown in Slovenia and then they opened the borders to Croatia because a lot of Slovenians it's the old Yugoslavia so they have houses down there and boats and stuff so we got to travel all around Croatia 
with no tourists, no no wow. cruise ships. Yeah. Most almost everything was closed, which was awful for them because it's their living. But yeah. for us, it was like traveling a hundred years ago. Just locals, nobody around, just incredible, lovely. We did the same thing in Italy, and we we kind of made the most of it. We were very careful. Managed not to get COVID until about a month ago here in Australia. Yeah. <laughs> it didn't do too badly really by then so so yeah so then we moved back to America for a year I won the Mario Avati prize which is a big prize in Paris comes with a big cash prize but it also even more sort of tempting is that it comes with this beautiful opportunity to have a one-person show in an incredible gallery in the Institut de France which is across the river from the Louvre Gallery. Really beautiful gallery. They've just done it up. It's quite big. So that was really something that I wanted to work towards and create a whole new body of work. I wanted to use the space to make installations on Gampi and stuff like that. So I really I really worked hard for that, and I created a whole new body of work plus some old stuff. And that was in that was September 21, I think that show was. So I was in working at Kalar back in San Francisco. And then we moved to Europe for another four months while that show was on. And then, and then we moved to Australia. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's funny. I always thought that we would, we would end up back in London. But because of Brexit and because of what the Conservatives have done to Britain, I just, I cannot bring myself to move back there. Yeah. I feel like Britain's become... Oh, I don't know. I probably shouldn't get into all of that. But and also, <laughs> <laughs> we felt a bit the same about America after Trump. Things are so divided and difficult. And San Francisco wasn't the same city we came back to after we'd been away for two years. Mm-hmm. It seemed down at heel. And I don't know. I think we just felt that it was time. We'd been in America 20 years and we had to choose somewhere to live. So yeah, and you're, you've had family in Sydney. You've got your, your sons in Sydney. And so I feel like that's that's yeah. a good as reason as anywhere to move somewhere is to have close yeah, family that's, close that's, by. That's yeah. it. Stuart, he's Australian and Max studied at the music school here. And then our youngest son has joined us in, in this last year. So we're all here now, which is the first time we've been on the same continent for five years, which is lovely. So yeah, and Australia, it's a lovely place to live. It's just a very long way from everyone. So yes, <laughs> a long way from Europe and it's a long way from America, but not that far. In fact, from the from the West Coast, it's actually only a 15-hour, 13-hour air trip. Only, yeah, only. <laughs> we were living in San Francisco. It took us 10 hours to get to London. And if you were going to Europe, it could be 12. So it's really not that far. Well, yeah, I mean... I, having lived on the West Coast for most of my adult life in the States and going to Asia so much during that time, I mean, it's the same thing. Like if you if you want to go to Bangkok from Seattle, you're looking at a 12, maybe followed by an 8, depending yeah. on where you change. So yeah. to really travel anywhere in this world, if, if you're doing West Coast Asia or West Coast yeah. Europe, it's a long flight, no matter how you slice it. You have to embrace it. I mean, it's a long flight from the West Coast back to Europe. I mean, you're still just as tired when you get there. You know, the jet lag's almost as bad, although it's pretty brutal coming this way. But, yeah, it's not that far, and it's, what, sort of half a day of your life. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. amazing. So, yeah, I think people... 
people do have this perception that Australia is a long way away, and it is, but it's not that far away. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And and I think it is a place that people should see, having lived there for two years. It, it is yeah. worth it. And yeah. It's a lovely place for a holiday. It's a lovely place to come and work for a few months or something. It is. It really is interesting. Yeah. And so the work that you were doing leading up to this big exhibition that you had was this in in terms of scale you were already someone who was working big but as you put it you're now looking at the capacity to make installation level mm-hmm. work and is that something you'd done before at all or was this just new opportunity new undertaking for you well a little bit because i I always sort of quite fancied doing a big installation, but you know, when you're with a gallery or whatever, they're not interested in you doing that because it's not practical. You're not going to sell an installation. So, and also they don't really have the room for it. So there weren't, there was never really that kind of an opportunity for me to put that amount of effort, like two years work into something that might only be up for a a week and maybe only a few people would see it. So so when this opportunity of this um, exhibition came up in Paris in such a beautiful spot, I mean, honestly, to be honest, I don't think anything like that will ever happen to me again in my life. It was the most unique (laughs) and amazing opportunity because we were, the other thing was when we went to take the show to Paris, it was still during COVID and you still weren't allowed to eat out in restaurants and you weren't allowed to go to bars in France or any... Well, I mean, in America, it was a bit more lax, obviously. But in Paris, they were very strict. And the day we got there, they had there was talk about introducing the carte sanitaire, which is the proof that you've been vaccinated and boosted. And three days after we got there, they introduced the carte sanitaire, which basically meant that you could go and sit... And it was summer. You could go and sit by the Seine in a in a bar out on the pavement next to like a few feet away from other people. So weird at the time to sit near yeah. other people, as long as you had proof that you'd been vaccinated. And of course, in France, they set fire to everything because they were pissed off that you had to be vaccinated, but they were very strict about it. It's like, if you're not mm. vaccinated, you don't get to go out to a bar or a restaurant, end of. So so we were really lucky timing-wise because we, we just had this wonderful wonderful time in Paris when you could actually go out and have a drink and sit near people and and sort of go to openings and go to galleries without worrying too much. It was amazing. And and they were so generous. The people at the um, Academy who organised the show were just lovely, you know, so generous in every way, took us out for dinner. I mean, honestly, honestly, I cannot tell you what a special experience that whole thing was it was amazing really great oh, and, and to have that space to show sort of big four meter works on Gampy that you could walk around in the space and it was it was really great it was a and that's why sort of the academy did ask me actually to put out on it on social media about the prize because I think not many people really had heard about it. I mean, the cash prize is, is 40000 and then you get this shirt. So it's, it's a pretty big prize. Um, yeah. And it comes with quite a lot of kudos. And, and, and they treat you like a queen for two weeks. It's just amazing. It sounds wonderful. I know that the actual material qualities of Gampi really come into your practice a lot. Mm-hmm. So you've got Gampi's strength, its durability, its uh, capacity to be 
see through just all of that. I feel like you use that in really interesting ways where you really are fully celebrating the capacity of the paper. And yeah. so this idea that you could create these gampy installations in this massive space and you could walk around it, could you kind of get that sense of the paper itself and its its strength and delicacy at the same time, I would guess, through the work in person? Yeah, definitely. I mean, we we hung two sets in the in the in the first gallery when you came in and we it was near the door, so it was two layers of gampi hanging back to back on both sides and as people walk through it it sort of moved and swayed and you could also walk all around these two installations that I had at the front there and they were based on they were works that I did specifically for the show but they were based on the idea that um, Europe has all these beautiful palm houses and old conservatories where they protect plants and they protect palms from the weather and you know they sort of look after them and it was this idea of of things being enclosed and protected which sort of was what we were the whole world was going through we were all sort of locked into like almost like a glass house where we were protected inside during those two years and so that's sort of I wanted to sort of play with that idea of of protection and enclosement and stuff but at the same time having it open so that people could walk around it and experience that idea so on one on one side I I printed a lot of dry point abstracted plants sort of um, palm palm tree shapes and on the front would be the building so you could just about see the plants through the gampi but if you walked around you could also see the structure of the buildings through the gampi so it was a lovely it's a lovely material to work with and I have worked with it for a long time because I really love that juxtaposition between the structures that I use so those structures that I make seem to be indestructible you know they're made of steel and they're big and mm-hmm. powerful and iconic and and then you use this really uh, fragile seeming paper that looks is is tissue thin but in fact what i what i like the idea that the t- the paper is actually will often outlast the structure so the structure will rust and fall down. Mm. And, and museums around the world are full of paper that's like 800, 900 years old. Yeah. So it's that idea that something that seems to be strong is not necessarily as strong as the fr- fragility of the materials that you're using to make it. So that's really what, what I love about Gampi. It just works really well with my, my work and what I'm trying to say with it. So you have this wonderful recognition this got to be swanned around Paris for for two weeks in this exhibition and then you know I think you'd been talking about for a while finding a warehouse in Sydney and making a studio and I think at least since pre-pandemic I feel like I'd heard that as a possible thing in your future and so it sounds like after this exhibition, you really started to kind of get the gears turning on it. Would that be yeah, right in the in the that, that's right. timeline? Yes, that's exactly right, actually, because I think I remember saying to you when we were in Slovenia, um, not maybe not during that interview, but that we'd been sitting in a beer garden on the river in, in Ljubljana, and we were just sort of trying to decide what we would do. Would we go back to America? Would we try and stay in Europe? which Brexit made that very difficult. 
language barriers, having lived in a country where we don't speak the language, we realized how hard it would be to ever Mm. really integrate in a country. So, yeah, we were sitting on the bank of this river drinking our Ljubljanan beer. And we just decided that maybe Australia was the place because we had been here quite a few times. And it was very clear that Sydney particularly needed some kind of central printing uh, atelier in the inner west. So the inner west is like mm. the inner city. And I mean, I we've been here for two years now and I haven't made a single print because I haven't had access. I know it's been really yeah. frustrating, but I, I haven't had access. I haven't been able to find access to a open access print studio, let alone a big press. So it's clear that it's needed. And a lot of people that I've spoken to have said that Sydney really needs something like this. You know, a lot of people have their own private presses, but there's no way you can just like hire time and go and print something. We had already sort of through talking to even you and Tim when you were here and other people, that it was that there was a gap in the market, if you like. It's not like it's sort of there are print shops everywhere and we're trying to find a niche within within that. I mean, Melbourne has a lot, but Sydney really has nothing in the inner west. So, yeah, so we, we got here and then we decided that we would... It rained the entire first year we were here. It just did not stop raining. So didn't really get out much. And then... so But we were looking for a warehouse in in an area that we particularly like, but we didn't believe for a second we would find it because the prices here are insane. Sydney is just ridiculous, expensive. Anyway, cut a long story short, we did find a little warehouse exactly in the area we, we wanted to be in, which is Darlington. It's close to the carriage works where they have the Sydney Contemporary Art Fair. And it's a lovely little area, and we've got a warehouse that you weren't allowed to build up with, so no property developers could buy it. So we managed to get it, and we've turned it into our home. The middle section is going to be the print studio, and then the other section we rent out to help pay the mortgage. So it's it's amazing that we found it. I mean, honestly, you, you dream of doing something. I mean, I've dreamed for years of having a studio that I can just walk to or pop next door. Yeah. And you know, we did want, we didn't want to live in the Victorian house because we've done that. You know, we just wanted something a bit different, wanted to downscale a bit. And we're, we love this place now that we've spent the last year doing it up. So I, I put all my creative energy into project managing this place because I couldn't work. And, and we're just in love with it. We love it. We love the yeah. building. We love the studios. The studio space is small-ish, but it'll definitely work for what we want to do. So, yeah. So we've just got, I've just received, day before yesterday, the biggest American French tool press in the Southern Hemisphere, they tell me. Yay! And it's in the Southern Hemisphere too. I don't really know what that means, but anyway. <laughs> so I wrote to Tom Conoran to find out if there was an American French tool press this big in the Southern Hemisphere, just for our marketing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he's like, no, there are five that size in America and yours is the only one in the Southern Hemisphere. I mean, it is a beautiful press. I've got some photos up on my social media. It's gorgeous, custom-made, brand new, just mm. arrived. So, what what are her stats like? Lay lay it uh, on us the the actual the measurements. Oh, her, well, give us her measurements. Yeah, <laughs> I'll give it to you in centimeters and inches. <laughs> <laughs> She's the the plate the bed 
the printing area is 53 inches by 99 inches. That's 135 centimeters, I know, by 253 centimeters. So she's pretty big. And it's funny, when it arrived and was uncrated, I, I was like, did I order the wrong press? This looks small. I, in my mind, it was literally, quite literally, twice the size. Oh. <laughs> I marked it out in the, in the studio, and it takes up half the studio. But, of course, I marked it out where the bed will, go, will travel to. And so I, it was quite nice, actually, because I realized that she fits in there really well. And it gives me lots of room. I have four huge tables that someone gave me, you know, 150 centimeters by 120, which is a meter and a half. That's like 60-something. Anyway, we have four very big tables for people to work on. And I've got two other presses. Somebody gave me a Hildav press, which is an Australian press, really good presses, which is 28 inches by 42 inches. So a nice medium size. Mm-hmm. That's 70 by 110 centimeters. And then I've got my original Rolico press, which is a Brit- little British press. It's a tiny, weeny little 16 by 23 inch press. So we'll put those two presses. There's a back room, which we're calling the project room. So that'll be a room where people can come and higher time on the presses or we're going to start a keyholder program for two months a year where people can come and realize projects they've got and come and work for two months and then the big press will be sort of application only because you can't just let anyone on a press like that yeah I've worked long enough at Kalar to see that not everyone who says they know how to print can print (laughs) who might put a bottle top through the press or something so so that that press will that press will be for masterclass workshops so we've got a lot of masterclass workshops so we're really not we're not trying to emulate anything that's going on in Sydney at the moment you know there are there are some great there are some lovely print studios who teach people how to make etchings and who teach workshops to teach people how to print. So what we're aiming at with our big press is we want to get, we're interested in getting people from abroad. So with with my contacts that I've made in the last 20 years in America and, and my contacts in London and Europe, we want to sort of encourage printmakers from those places to come and make a body of work with us, but also to teach workshops because it's it's sort of people who work in maybe a slightly different way than, than has been taught here or... It's just sort of just getting a, a sort of a new, a slightly new approach on a larger scale. So, yeah, so we, we've got a lot of sort of ideas. We haven't quite opened yet. So I think it's going to be a very organic thing to see what's needed and what's wanted and what people will find that they need in a print shop. But we're hoping that getting getting really well-established American and, and European artists over, if they're here on holiday, for instance, they mm-hmm. might or we can invite them and they can get funding from their universities to come and sort of do a body of work here and, and teach a workshop as well. So we're, we're thinking of doing masterclass, like intensive five-day workshops or intensive two-days workshops with people who are visiting. Anytime you're bringing in outside voices, outside energies into what is relatively an enclosed scene which is true, I would say, about most cities. I mean, except for maybe like New York and LA, people coming in and out all the time. And so this idea that people can come enjoy Sydney, which is a, it's a gorgeous city, probably longtime listeners may know I, I used to live there, but I did used to live there uh, when my husband was doing graduate school there. 
and it, it really is a, a lovely place. The museums are great. The history is really interesting. The flora, the fauna are incredible. The Good beach. food, friendly people, beaches. Oh. You can see, see famous Bondi Beach. Yeah. And then... And then the ones that the locals go to, but it's it really is something I think that that should be seen, and that they can come and bring their experience to people who maybe haven't seen what they have to offer before. I think that's really nice. And yeah, and, and I think the American print scene is so big. I mean, Australia obviously is is a much smaller not country, but it's a much smaller population wise, and so obviously then you have a much smaller concentration of printmakers but America is so big and there is there's so much you know so many opportunities and so many sort of things to get involved in and and there is a I think there's a, a there's been a big shift in printmaking in the last 20 years in in America I would say where it, it's very much gone from your traditional print to anything goes you know, it's like a huge range of I mean I remember that that first time we went to Knoxville which was when I met you on the plane I mean I'd met you before but that's when we became very pally there was a it rained quite a bit but do you remember there was a sort of an art walk underneath the passes and and I think mm-hmm. sort of pasted prints all along there and there was sort of like installation prints out there in the field and yeah all I would reckon maybe it was Sean Caulfield Yes, yes, that's right. It was just just amazing because it was was so sort of, well, I mean, I hadn't seen much of that in in San Francisco, although they're very sort of, they had people there who are very sort of ambitious about print. And and so it was lovely to see just things pasted in the underpass and stuff like that. And there's a lot of, I think there's been a huge growth in that sort of installation prints and works on paper and stuff like that. So it's no longer just where you'll make an edition of prints, a small edition of prints, and, and they're all the same. I mean, I haven't made two prints the same for like 20 years. <laughs> but I think, I think that's a much more acceptable way of making prints now. And with the big press, that's something that we would like to also encourage sculptors and painters mm-hmm. to come and maybe spend five days and just make, five big monotypes or something just do whatever you like it doesn't have to be an addition so we would like to sort of push that a bit and create a sort of a a little buzz around this building and have have people come and do artist talks and have demonstrations maybe and just have open evenings you know when we when I was in San Francisco the center for the book there did these things called five minute eggs and they would get like five artists to come and talk about a project they were working on or had done for five minutes. Oh, nice. Yeah, it's great because you just talk for five minutes and then the next person talks for five minutes and then you all have a drink and talk about it. And it's just like a very small, short little evening. And I think things like that are lovely because it's not you're not investing in an hour and a half of someone wittering on about their work. You know, it's just like quick, short, sharp, <laughs> <laughs> you know, interesting things. Yeah. So I've noticed that you haven't used the word residency at all to describe what you're doing. Is that intentional? Are you kind of thinking it as as something else entirely? Or is that just because nothing's manifested yet? No, well, we're not sort of, I often think of residencies as somewhere you stay as well. Yeah. Not necessarily, but obviously there are Airbnbs and hotels around here. But yeah, we're still fiddling around with that idea I mean Mm -hmm. people can definitely come and do a residency 
And if they, uh, but I think these are things that are going to be application only. So I assume mm-hmm. that if people wanted to come and do a residency here, they would want to use the big press. So they would, I think we would want to make sure that they knew what they were doing. They're going to use the big press and that they have a project they want to fulfill probably for maybe a week or two. And then, yes, definitely we're open to that sort of residency or even if they want to work in the project room at the back. So, yeah, we're, we're I think, so when we're going to have the 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 keyholder program but we'll only do that for two months a year or two sets of two months so that Mm. there are people in the studio the whole time so that if somebody does want to come and and make a whole body of work with us then the the studio will be free for them to do that and then we'll have workshops um, to create you know a little bit of interest and and also to help us make a little bit of money to run the workshop so so I think we're very open to just being quite organic about all of it Mm -hmm. Got um, Laura Berman is coming in March. She's here on a, I think she's in Canberra on a Fulbright fellowship. So she'll come and, and do a, a sort of a workshop with us over a weekend. And that's really exciting because her work, there's no work like hers in, in Australia that I've seen. So that'll be a really sort of beautiful workshop to do. And then we've got Sarah Amos coming in April, who's going to do an intensive five-day workshop with us and she works very differently she she uses oil sticks she also doesn't make two prints the same Mm -hmm. she she makes collagraphs so that I think that will be an amazing workshop to to offer so we've and I'll be teaching the odd workshop so I think it's going to be it's we just want to make it sort of exciting and interesting to printmakers and and artists from all backgrounds actually. I mean, I'd, I'd also like to approach galleries who sell works on paper and see if there, any of their artists want to come and work with us um, to create a body of work on the press, so so that they also have an opportunity to to experiment with printmaking and experiment with ideas. So, so that's sort of the area. Those are the sort of areas we're leaning towards, rather than mm-hmm. the artist residency. Yeah, yeah, and I think that makes a lot of sense because I think if you were to call it a residency, people would get a really limited vision of what it could be. Because, and now, like many things in life, that is expanding, right? Like there are digital residencies, there are low residency residencies, there's all kinds of different versions of it, but it, people do carry a certain associations with with what it means and, yes. and what you can expect. And if you want things to just kind of, as you say, grow organically and be so open and flexible and able to evolve with the needs and the interests of your audience, yeah, yeah. don't need to call it a residency. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So we're sort of trying, I suppose we would call it, if we were to call it anything, we'd probably call it a experimental workshop or something like mm-hmm. that. You know, I really, I really would love to see people come and experiment with what they can do with works on paper as opposed to coming in with a sort of, oh, I want... The other thing is when we're going to be very non-toxic, so we're not actually going to have... Certainly initially, we're not going to have any etching acids or supplies. You know, I've got two huge sinks, but that's about it. So we're not we're not going to be doing acids and stuff. We're going to be doing, people can bring actually big plates with them that they've worked on at home and print them. And they can bring, they can make dry points or woodcuts or whatever they, or collagraphs or whatever they want to make that's in a non-toxic area. But I don't think at the moment, the other thing is we don't really have room to have all of that stuff so we would we would sort of encourage people to just bring a whole bunch of plates and maybe print them all in different ways and 
stuff like that and just lay them out on the press and do what they want. So we have to go with the space we've got. And I think it's simpler for us just to keep it simple. The other thing is I'd really like to get a big laser cutter so that people can do laser cutting as well. But oh, yeah. To save up for that. <laughs> yes, get a few of those workshops under your belt first. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so that kind of thing. We, we want to sort of have some more... I mean, it's not cutting edge anymore, but sort of things that people can come and do laser cuts and rather than put stuff in acid, which there mm-hmm. are other places they can do that. So, And what relationship will this space have to commerce? Because I know that you just did Sydney Contemporary mm-hmm. as well, but you don't, you're not speaking of having a gallery space in there, but you have shown work before. So how is that going to fit into the, the whole vision? And Sydney Contemporary is the, the big top art fair in, in Australia that actually just happened last week, right? Yeah, I mean, I wish we did have a gallery space. In fact, the area next door to the studio that we've rented out, we've rented it out to an industrial designer for three years. But it would be amazing to have that space because it is a beautiful big white space as a mm. gallery. But, you know, from my experience from Sydney Contemporary this year, it, it takes a while for people to warm to newer work. And obviously, we're very new. I mean, I we didn't sell anything at Sydney Contemporary, even though I was showing some really beautiful work from mm-hmm. actually from European and American artists. I had some beautiful work. And people looked at it and they liked it. I mean, another thing we had going against us was the exchange rate, which is yeah, terrible. I reckon. You know, a $500 print becomes a $1,000 print. People haven't seen it before. I feel like in this market here in Australia, People like what they know and they like to recognize work that they've seen before. And I think that's probably common with a lot of markets as well. Mm -hmm. You know, you're just going to snap up something that you haven't seen before, although you should. So I think it's going to take a few years even to get people to notice us. And and after this year, we were like, we probably wouldn't do the print room again because we're not Mm -hmm. sure necessarily fit in that in that sort of room anymore. But we might do another room, like the Futures. They have a Futures room, which is a bit cheaper than the main gallery, but it's a nice big space and it's for sort of more startup galleries. So we'll see. It depends how much it is. And yeah, it's something that, I mean, I would love to have evenings where we could put work on the wall of maybe mm-hmm. people have, and, and we do have enough wall space for that. And I am going to build a mezzanine probably upstairs. So we could turn the mezzanine into a little gallery but of course we'll be working big so we need big yeah so yeah we will try and figure it out it's it's a little further down on my list of things to worry about at the moment I think we want to just get this started up and we want to create a buzz and we want people to be excited about what we're offering yeah and get people in to make amazing work experimental beautiful prints so hopefully that'll happen (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Well, and, and if, if it does open up in that way in the future, I, I can speak from having traveled and seen many, many print shop galleries. When the work actually is tied physic in a physical space to the space in which it was created, it tends to do really well. Yes. And I think people actually understand on a deeper level what it takes to make this work that they're seeing when they're seeing the presses, when they're seeing the people 
working. And so there's something definitely to be sad about that model. But as you say, it's it's one thing at a time. And, you know, maybe maybe three years from now, you won't you won't need the the tenant and you'll open up a, a beautiful experimental works on paper gallery just right next door. It would be amazing because we're very close to sort of Chippendale, but where there's a lot of. Right. Yeah, no, I think it would be amazing. I mean, I'd love to have the odd evening where we invite when we start getting some collectors and stuff and people who are interested, maybe having an evening where we invite them and we put big works on the wall and maybe do a little demo. Because honestly, one thing I've found, people just cannot get their heads around the concept of printmaking. Often, and yeah. physically see it being done in front of their eyeballs. Even if they're, I've had a few people looking at my lovely press. By the way, I need a name for that press. So if anyone has any ideas, she's a girl. So. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, you should do, you should do like, I'm just thinking of this right now, but maybe we could do when your episode comes out, like a little contest, a little press naming contest to go along with the episode. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, the great. the winner gets the the glory, and I don't know, a little prize. We'll figure yeah. it out. Yeah, I've got some tote bags and pennies. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They'll get a little care package. Yes, exactly. Um, yeah, a tote bag and an apron with the logos on it. But yes, that would be great because we live in an area called Darlington, and we 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 live on Vine Street. And I don't know, it's sort of yeah, I think that's a brilliant idea. Actually, come up with a name for her. Cool. We'll we'll put it up on the Instagram, and we'll awesome. cross promote, and we'll push a bunch of people your way. Oh, that would be lovely. Yeah. Speaking of promotion and and getting the word out, how do you go about doing that? I mean, you've you've come into a city that you've got some connections with. You've known some people. You you in your partner are are quite world travelers, but you still are building something from scratch. And so you've got tools and you, like you said, you did Sydney Contemporary and, you know, mostly to help get the word out. Mm-hmm. But what else are you doing? How are you getting this buzz going? Because this place should be buzzed about. Yeah, it's it's a tricky one because actually we don't know that many people. I don't know that many people in the art world. I mean, I met a bunch at Sydney Contemporary like as you say that's the main reason we did that stall was to get the word out and get people excited about it and and a lot of printmakers did stop by and a lot of the other vendors there came by but you know I was hoping that some of the bigger galleries would see what we're doing but not really nobody from the main fair came through the print room which was mm. really disappointing it sort of tucked back a little bit so that that I was hoping because I was manning the the booth myself so I really didn't get that much chance to get out there and then I think I broke my toe on the last day so I was hobbling about oh <laughs> <laughs> so you're already you're already tucked back in this room and then you're you've got a little hobble on and you're like hey socks <laughs> Hobbling around in a silver Birkenstocks, very cool. Yeah, so we're going to advertise. There's a Australian Print Council is quite big here, and they yep. they put out a magazine every quarter. So we're going to take out an advert in that. So that should be seen by most of the print people in Australia. We're going to invite sort of some artists who make very big work maybe to come and teach workshops so they'll have a certain following themselves as well this is the first time I've ever done anything like this obviously I'm just really I just want to make my work and it is very hard starting again so you know I've got a certain following in America and a little bit in Europe but to start all over again in a place Mm. a smaller place 
where they don't really know you is actually quite hard. And so part of me just wants to hide away in my studio with my lovely big old press there and just make work because I haven't made any for so long. But that I also want to create a community. I want to get to know lovely printmakers like all the all the printmaking friends I made in America. I mean, they're, mm-hmm. they're so generous in America with, with their knowledge and with the opportunities because there are so many of them. So America was always a, a fantastic place to, to work because like there really were so many opportunities and everyone was just so kind and generous with, with their time and their skills and stuff. So I'm definitely hoping to keep up all my connections in America because that's that's really where my market is and that's where I want to continue to work. So it's important to me that I do keep those those options and those relationships open because I do want to go back at least once a year to, to make work over there mm. and maybe have exhibitions and stuff. And then over here we'll we'll make the work and we'll just because I live halfway around the world doesn't mean I'm dead. i'm still here just live somewhere else (laughs) i know there is this perception that when you go down under you stay down under (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) and it's it is um you know you really get the sense I always get the sense when talking to people in these projects and doing projects myself that marketing is such an essential skill in the arts and one that is difficult and and really not something that you're taught as an artist at all and so you know how do you come to understand it yeah and it is easier to market an idea like or a or a like a workshop or a building than it is to market your own work. I mean, it's a different, mm. it's, there's definitely a different connect, connection there. So you, you can be much more forward about marketing your atelier because it's sort of, it's more abstract. It's away from your own personal work. It's very hard to market your own personal work. I think, you know, you've got to be out there mm. and braggadocious about it. And that's really not what most artists are about. I mean, you, you did an incredible job with, um, Prince Santa Fe. How did you do that? Yeah, it was standing on the, the shoulders of Hello Print Friend, really, I think was, was what it was, is that I had just, through a totally different project, curated an audience that was interested in printmaking over the last five years. Mm. And so just being able to just mention it on the podcast at the beginning, because I was just, I was excited about it. I want people to see it. And mm. and then having just a certain skill set around that of, of, of making videos that were really edited in... I was not to sound too braggadocious, but like, you know, uh, in kind of clever ways, you know, I, I, I was able to utilize a lot of the skills I'd done through Hello Print Friend in that way too. So that's a big learning experience. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think definitely, of course, you coming on the podcast, hopefully that'll be huge. I'll get people excited. And, and speaking of marketing and it maybe not being a, a intuitive thing, does your shop have a name? Because we haven't even mentioned it yet. If it if it does or it doesn't, 
Yeah, well, at the moment, it's the Jenny Robinson print studio. We we decided that print name recognition would be yeah. a in this situation since nobody knows me but we thought we thought especially in america because i'm hoping to get a lot of um, americans over you know lure them over with the uh, promise of beaches and good coffee and in the national reserves they have here but so we thought that would be a good sort of place to start i mean i'd like to name it something else because it's a bit of a mouthful but i think we'll keep it with the jenny robinson print studio just for maybe the first two years um, mm-hmm. And then, I mean, if we do end up printing editions for people or having artists come here to make work with us, we will probably set up another arm called maybe the Darlington Editions because we, we yeah. live in Darlington and it's quite a nice name. It so, is. It's a very posh and sweet name. It's posh and sweet, yes. So we, we we could set up that and if or we could turn it into the Darlington Atelier or something like that. So we're just mm-hmm. going to see how we go. I mean... I'm not thrilled about the name because it, it again, <laughs> it's a bit braggadocious, but it, <laughs> but it does get the point across that, I mean, people do know my name in, in terms of printmaking. Um, yep. So it is a way of having people contact me if they're, if they're in Sydney who might want to drop by and sort of see what we're doing and things like that. So that's the name for the time being, but it might be a placeholder just mm-hmm. um, till we get established and see what we want to really do with our yeah. Approach to these things. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And so, you said as of two days ago, you've got this big, beautiful, as yet to be named press. Yes, American in the French shop. Tool. Mm-hmm. The American French tool. The Rolls Royce of presses. Call <laughs> <laughs> it. And so, at what? point are you going to be basically ready to accept applications people coming to work with you what's the timeline do you think well we're off we're off to Europe on Saturday so we're going to go back for three weeks and then we're coming back and that'll be mid-October so then we're gonna like really get down to sort of marketing it a bit more and we've got our first workshop is on the 2nd of December. It's a um, oh. it's a knife sharpening workshop that a Japanese tool company is doing here. So they're just going to come and do an afternoon. And the other thing is about our workshops, we're limiting it, limit, limiting it to five people. So it's going to mm-hmm. be a very sort of intensive, everyone will get a lot of space and be able to work big. And so we, we want to keep it sort of small and intimate and intensive so that people really get something out of it at the end of the day. So, so yeah, we're, we're going to start, I guess we'll start putting ads in, in industry papers. And we've got an Instagram account that's dedicated to mm-hmm. the studio. And I don't know what else we're going to do yet, but I'm going to learn. Yeah. I'm going to learn fast. <laughs> yes, you're going to organically take it on. And yes. and, and um, you having me on, on the podcast is going to be amazing. It's probably going to be our biggest marketing. <laughs> Thank you so much for that, Miranda, because that's going to really be great to get the word out about it. I, I mean, I'm just so excited to see this come to fruition for you. And it's it's Jenny Robinson Print Studio. At Jenny Robinson Print Studio is your Instagram. Yes. And, and Jenny Robinson Print Studio.com is our website. Are you sure it's not Jenny Robinson Print dot Studio? 
There is that as well. I did actually put that on one. Oh, okay. So it's but both. apparently both lead to the same. Okay. Um, the email is we have inquiries at Jenny Robinson print dot studio. Mm-hmm. And then we have our Instagram, which is Jenny Robinson print studio and Jenny Robinson prints is my, my personal one. There you go. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah, so people can kind of, find you and, and and follow you on there and then I do think that that just seeing you take this on and just doing it with just such just style and joy is just something that I think is going to be contagious for people to want to follow and be a part of because I know it has been for me just watching it come together watching the the videos that you post and the photos and just the shop is so beautiful your press is so beautiful and I think that there's something that just really warms the soul to see someone making something with such love so I really am honored to to help share the story and I really encourage people to follow it too yeah well thanks so much Miranda and I mean obviously you've always been so sort of positive and encouraging about these things because it is a big undertaking but I think if you want to do it you just do it and then you you Mm -hmm. hope fingers crossed that there's a, a market for it and there's an appetite for it and yeah you know me I love my printmaking very enthusiastic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> want to spread the word. So, yeah. And I always said I wanted to drop dead next to a lovely big press that I own. So there you are. <laughs> you're, you're manifesting your vision. Yes. Yeah, um, so drop dead no. too soon, but. Yeah. In 30 years. Oh, no. well, that's taken, taken a bit far, but we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> well, you never know. Printmaking in these communities, they, they keep you going. There are, there are definitely people uh, puttering around presses well into their late 80s here and there. So uh, Yeah, mm-hmm. true. We'll just have to get a, a intern to help turn that wheel. Yes. <laughs> well, Jenny, it's been just lovely to see you and to catch up and I, I I really look forward to continuing to follow the progress of your shop and and seeing the great things that I know are going to come out of it. Oh, well, thank you, Miranda, and um, best of luck with your new job. Thank you. And well done for getting the word out about print through Hello Print Friend. It's, it's always great to listen to. Oh, thank you. If you like today's episode, we have a Patreon where you can help us keep the lines on and get bonus content. Like Shop Talk Shorts, where our editor Timothy Pauschak digs deep on materials, processes, and techniques with past guests. Also, if monetary support isn't in the cards right now, you can leave a review for us on your podcast listing app of choice or buy something from one of our sponsors and tell them Hello Print Friends sent you. But as always, the very, very best thing you can do to support this podcast is by listening and sharing with your fellow print friends around the world. And that's our show for this week. Join me again next week when we have a special episode, a double feature with our sister podcast, Plate Mark, in which we release our episodes, which are both interviews with Luther Davis from Powerhouse Arts in Brooklyn. You won't want to miss it. This episode, like all episodes, was written and produced by me, Miranda Metcalf, with editing by Timothy Pauschak and music by Joshua Weber. I'll see you next week.